Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Honored to be the, uh, the founding lead pastors here at Authentic Church. We moved here a couple years ago um, on a crazy assignment from God. We, we burnt the ship's per se, uh, and left our businesses back in Texas, and we moved here. Yes, we are the only people that moved from Texas to California in the last two years, and uh, and we moved here just on a word of the Lord, and the Lord's been faithful and continues to showing up, uh, be, be showing up with us and meeting us where we're at, and, and uh, we just celebrated a two-year anniversary uh, of being here, and it was awesome, and it was so great just seeing what God has done, just taking a moment to pause and remember all that he's done and how faithful he is. And I find for me, uh, that's a good rhythm to have in your life. You know, when you're grateful, when you're thankful, when you take a moment to pause and remember and take stock of all the incredible things God has done in your life, how many know it's kind of hard to complain about anything, right? I mean, like, you, you, you won the lottery just the fact that you were born in America, and, and the fact that you're saved, you know God, that you're in this incredible area that we call Orange County, and, uh, and that you're part of a great church like Authentic. I mean, you know, God has been good to us, and so I love taking time, and so we did that uh, and just reflected on what God has done, and, and then we launched into a new series that we titled Kingdom Come, and it's all about praying powerful and effective prayers, and, um, and you know, our vision here at Authentic is that, that we would be a place where people would encounter God that they would discover community and that they would fulfill the call of God on their life. Um, you know, if you could eavesdrop on a conversation God has with this prophet Jeremiah, he tells him, he says, before, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I actually knew you. I actually had a plan and a purpose for your life. He says that to him. And that same word applies to us. Before you were formed, you might have been a surprise to your parents but you weren't a surprise to God, <laughs> okay? And he, he placed different things inside of you that is just so beautiful, and it's our honor and privilege as a community of faith to see the gold come out and see you shine for Jesus. And today uh, is actually Baptism Sunday, and so we have, uh, we have a few people that are getting baptized today, and, uh, and we're gonna be welcoming them in. They're making a, a decision to go all in for Jesus. And, you know, being, baptiz uh, being baptized, going through the, the waters of baptism, it's, it's a good visual is simply you're identifying with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, all right? So when somebody's baptized, they're identifying with Christ. They're going into the waters of baptism, and they're coming up new. And we believe that it's not just a physical act like we shared during worship, right? It looks physical in the fact that I'm going into water and I'm coming back up. But it, I, just because I go into water and come back up doesn't mean that that's a baptism, right? Every, every time I jump in a swimming pool, that's not a baptism. Every time I take a bath, that's not a baptism, right? It's when there's a holy moment, there's, there's, there's an engagement that I'm having with my spirit and where I'm going out of the water. And we do believe that people come up in that the old things are gone, that new has come. And so uh, we're going to do that as a continuation of the service today. We actually... Uh, a, made room in the schedule, per se, uh, so that we're going to all celebrate that together as a family. So I want to encourage you to stick around for that. And if you're sitting here today and you've not been water baptized, can, can I just encourage you, if I could just pastor you for a moment, um, every believer was baptized. 
every time somebody went all in for Jesus and believed on Jesus, they were water baptized. In fact, if you go back and you take a look at the day of Pentecost when the church explodes and the Holy Spirit's poured out, on that moment, there was over 3,000 people baptized that day, and we actually have no recorded prayer in that moment. And so I think, I think we've done a little bit of a disservice sometimes. I think prayer is great. Trust me, I'm preaching on prayer today. There's value in prayer, okay? But praying the prayer of salvation is just that step in, the, in, in, in your accepting the invitation. But God wants you to be water baptized. And, uh, and so if you haven't been water baptized, I'm lovingly telling you, challenging you, today is your day. You say, well, I didn't bring a shirt or anything. I got a shirt for you, no worries, okay? Like, well, we got towels for you, no worries. When the disciples were baptized, it was radical. They just went all in. They're like, we're down at the river. All right, let's get baptized. And they would just go get water baptized and they would go home wet, okay? There's something special about responding to God in the moment. And so if you're here today and you're feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit, even as I'm speaking right now or throughout the course of the message, I want to encourage you, say yes to that prompting. You will be glad that you did, and it will be one of the greatest memories of your life. I heard a quote uh, recently uh, from a guy named uh, Dr. Michael Maiden. Michael Maiden is a well-known uh, leader in, in, the, in the prophetic world in different circles of the body of Christ. And, and he had this great quote. He went through all these different things. He was talking about uh, the blessing of the church. And he went down and he, he shared about theology. And he said this. He said, theology without experience is just lifeless religion. Like it's all here, but it's not, you're not seeing it walked out. He said, experience without theology, you run the risk of spiritual deception. That's why you need a word of God in your life, amen? But when you got theology and you have experience, that's when you bring the kingdom of God. And Jesus was amazing at not only declaring and proclaiming the things of God, the kingdom of God, but he demonstrated the kingdom of God. He would proclaim and then he would demonstrate. And, and we, our hope is, is that, through the course of our gatherings on Sundays or throughout the week in the connect groups that Lindsay shared about, that there's a foundation that God is laying in your life that's built on the word of God. The word of God is what's gonna help you last. Jesus said, don't build your house on the sand. That's a foolish builder. Build your house on the rock. That's the foundation of Christ and his word is true. And so our goal is that when we gather together and we preach the word of God, that every time that we gather, there's a nugget. There's something where you're just saying, you know what, man? And that was for me today. I receive that truth. I receive that encouragement. I receive that correction. Whatever it might be, when we gather and the word of God is preached, we're asking God, would you just breathe on it and give something to me specific for me, my life, my situation today? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna open up this morning in prayer and then we're gonna jump into the word of God. I hope you're ready to eat because I got like 30 pages of notes and we're gonna dive into a lot of awesome stuff on prayer today, all right? Well, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you that we can gather together as a family of God and we can gather together. God, thank you for those that are going all in, that have made the decision to go all in for Jesus and be water baptized today and the transformation that's happening, Lord God. And Lord, we're asking for you to breathe on this word right now. God, we're asking you to breathe on the Holy Scriptures as we, as we read, as we, as we listen, God, that you'd give us eyes to see something we never saw before. God, you'd give us ears to hear something we never heard before. God, give us minds that are just like exploding with fresh revelation, God. And I pray for hearts to accept you and believe you at your word. I pray for a spirit of faith in this place today. And we just command any other spirit to go and the Holy Spirit come in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. 
Well, our uh, scripture that we're, we're holding on to uh, for the series is kind of like the, the bedrock scriptures out of 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this, and why don't, we, why don't we say it all together as if you just had like a 20-ounce venti coffee from Starbucks, all right? Let's say it all together. One, two, three. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. One more time. Rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you all throughout the Bible you see different patterns with regards to prayer Jesus uh, taught the Lord's Prayer and we have these daily prayer cards if you weren't here last week uh, we taught on the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Prayer uh, wasn't a 20-second prayer for you to just memorize. Um, as a good Catholic boy, I memorized it. And uh, because of some poor choices on the playground, I had to recite that many, 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 many times. Okay, And the Lord's Prayer wasn't just a, a prayer for you to, to memorize and recite for 20 seconds, but it was actually designed to be a model of prayer for you and I to follow. So if you didn't receive one or you weren't here last week or you just want another one or two, I encourage you, take two or three, keep one in your car, keep one in your Bible, put one in your mirror, whatever it would be. But you go through and Jesus outlined, he gave us seven different key aspects that served as a pattern for prayer. And you have to know about this, uh, about rabbis. So Jesus was a, a rabbi. And when rabbis taught, they would teach in outlines. So they would have sections. In fact, when the rabbis would teach you as a congregation through the Bible, through the Torah, through, through the, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they would teach that during Jesus' time, and they broke it up to, into 153 sections. There was a purpose for why they outlined it. It's amazing, and that's one of the reasons why when Jesus, before he, his ascension, after the resurrection, he appears to the disciples, and he calls to them, and Peter gets all excited and jumps out of the boat, and they come in, and, and they catch some fish, and he said, hey, let your nets down on the other side, and they let the nets down, they come in, and there was, there was a number Number of fish, and it wasn't just that there was a great catch. There was a great catch of an exact number. The number that they caught, the great catch, was 153 fish. In the 153 fish that they caught, Jesus was reminding them, just as I teach you and have taught you the Word of God in 153 sections, you know that I have called you that you're going to be fishers of men. So right now you're out there fishing again, but I've actually called you to fish for people. So you're going to drop your nets, and like you did at the beginning, you're still going to follow me. Do you love me? Peter said, I love you. And he went on and on. And so Jesus did that with his disciples. And so there's, you, you, you see patterns. And by the way, Jesus' ministry with his disciples was three and a half years. We know that he died over pass, on Passover. So he's crucified on Passover. And, and if, if he spent three and a half years with them, then uh, a lot of uh, theologians actually believe that he would have been born around this time of the year. It would have been born during the Feast of Trumpets. Some theologians and some of those prophetic guys actually make a strong claim that he was probably born on day one of the Feast of Trumpets. But I'm not teaching that today. That's just something you can chew on for later. So Jesus gives us seven elements of prayer that we see these patterns. And um, in First Chronicles 4, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. I'm going to show you another pattern of prayer that's way back in the Old Testament by this guy named Jabez. And uh, it, it's been known, it's been, it's been termed the prayer of Jabez. This has been taught 
um, by theologians, uh, pastors, leaders in the body of Christ. Books have been written. Curriculum's been written. It's a very, very famous prayer. I would say outside of the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer, that daily prayer, this is probably my other go-to prayer. And, and, and in it, uh, in this short passage of Scripture, it's all these genealogies that's going on. So genealogies is like so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. And it's all these names that you can barely pronounce and all these people that you really don't know anything about. And there's, there's, over, there's over 600 names. I think it's actually 601 if, if you go through it. But there's over 600 names as you go through the genealogy. And then for whatever reason, there was a pause and like this honorable mention given to this guy named Jabez. And I, I got to believe that there was a lot of people before him and a lot of people after him that prayed prayers. Wouldn't you agree? There's probably a lot of people before him and after him that probably prayed par- prayers. But their prayer didn't get recorded in the Bible. So his prayer did get recorded in the Bible, and I kind of think that's noteworthy, and that's more than just an honorable mention. It's something to gather our attention. And so we're going to dive into it this morning. So the historian's writing this. It's about 500 B.C., and, uh, and all this genealogy, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so. And then in First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, we get to Brother Jabez. All right. And it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brother's, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. <laughs> Talk about starting with a negative, right? It's like, you caused me so much pain, I'm just going to name you pain, son. Like, you know, and I've never birthed a baby. Um, I'm still one of those rare dudes that just feels that women are the only ones that can carry a baby. And so my wife has had a lot of babies. Um, she's, she's birthed four. And I can promise you that she felt some sort of pain <laughs> because she would squeeze my hand and bang on my arm like crazy when those contractions would come. You, there was pain. Every woman that's had a baby would say amen. Yep, there's pain in childbirth, right? But for whatever reason, and we don't know to the extent of her pain, that there was a significant amount of pain, whether it was emotional, stuff was going on in the world, we don't really know, or if it was just a really, really painful childbirth where she labored for like 24 hours. Like, we don't know, but it was super painful, so much to the point that she said, son, your name is Pain. And, and, and that's just bad. Don't ever do that. That's like, you know, Johnny Cash, boy named Sue. You just don't name a boy named Sue. You just don't name him Sue, right? How do you do? So, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, verse 10, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And it said, so God granted him what he requested. So four things Jabez prayed, and if you're taking notes, I highly recommend writing some of these down. If you're not taking notes, I highly recommend writing these down. (laughs) Whether it's in your phone or on the church bulletin that you were given there, there's place for you to write. And uh, like I said, you can pray this prayer in 20 seconds. Sometimes this is a 20-second prayer that I'm praying before, you know, I'm going into a meeting or I'm dropping my kids off at school or I'm, you know, about to take a phone call. Whatever it is, you can pray this in 20 seconds or there's times where I've marinated, especially this week, preparing for the sermon. There's times where I've marinated where I've literally unpacked it for like an hour, you know, just going through and praying. So there's four things, four keys that Jabez shows us. And the first one is you pray for blessing. 
Number one, pray for blessing. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And I just want to let you know from a doctrinal standpoint, God wants to bless you. Some people have a hard time thinking that God would actually want to bless me. If you don't have the perspective that God will want, that wants to bless you, then you probably won't ask for blessings. If you don't believe that God is a healing God, you probably won't pray for healing. If you, you don't believe God wants to bless you financially, you're probably not going to invite him into your finances, your business, etc. If you don't believe that God wants to bless your marriage, you might not invite him into your marriage. But God does want to bless you. And just from a simple, let me just take away, let me just pull back from the veneer for a moment. Like when you boil it down, one of the main attributes of God is he's a loving and good father. If you could think of the most loving, amazing, kind father that anybody could ever have, what would come to your mind? Okay, that's God times a million. I don't know about you, but as a dad, I try to be a good dad. Some days I'm gooder than others, right? <laughs> Usually when I pray more, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a gooder dad. I know that's not a word. Don't critique me. I know we're on a campus of a college university, and it's like, check. The pastor just lost some points today on his sermon. <laughs> but I want to I bless my kids. If my kids were starting a business and I had the financial resources to help them start their business, I'd help them. Uh, if my kids are going through a tough time in their marriage and they came to me for advice, I'd give them some advice. Um, if my kids were going to do something that I knew would actually hurt them, I'm going to actually try to pull them back. I'm going to withhold what they want because there's something better. And that want that they have could actually harm them. And because I see from a different perspective than they do, I'm actually going to pull them back and let things settle down. And then as they grow and mature, they'll have a different vision. They'll have a different perspective from where I'm at, right? Because I'm a good father. Well, God is a good father, and he does the same for his children. He wants to bless you. Let me throw out some scriptures for you today. Psalms 5.12 says, For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Just picture that. Like there's favor around you if you're righteous. He's got a shield about you. Genesis 26, 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in that same year a hundredfold. Now time out, when Isaac sows this seed, it's totally an act of faith because in this scripture, what you don't see, the backstory of Isaac sowing in the land and he's sowing seed and he's believing from a crop is that there's a massive famine. When there's a famine, that means there's no rain. Like praise God, we've had a lot of rain over the last few days. And I know some of you have been praying for rain and, uh, and it rained out my barbecue yesterday, but that's all right. We still had good tacos. But there's a famine in the land, there's a drought, there's, there's no rain. So he's literally putting seeds in the ground, and I gotta believe Isaac's praying, God, you gotta, you gotta show up. You got, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the last seed that I have. I, I planted seed last year, the year before, and nothing happened, but I'm planting it again, and I'm believing you're gonna do it. And he plants it, and then he reaps a hundredfold in the same year, and it says this, it says, the man began to prosper. Look at how many times the Lord says prosper in one verse. The man began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That, that, that word prosperity, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a visual. Um, I'm going to have I, my buddy Isaac. This is the real Isaac. I mean, not, that, that other guy's the real Isaac, too. This, is, this one's alive. That one's dead now. So this is the live Isaac. So 
this one's alive. <laughs> so here's this Isaac. So it, what it really means is Isaac, in all that he has, in his personal abilities, in his, his knowledge, his wisdom, his experience, the God-given talents, resources, the things God's put inside of him, Isaac can only walk this far. Come over here, Isaac. Okay, keep facing the wall there. That's as far as he's going to get. And then that word prosperity, when the prosperity of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, translated prosperity, comes, it actually means he pushes Isaac past that point of what he can do, and he takes him there. Now, if Isaac relied on his own self, he only getting to here, baby. But with the blessing of God, that blessing pushes Isaac forward. Thank you. Can you give it up for Isaac? So God wants to bless and prosper. He wants to push you forward past what you and I can do on our own. Psalms 35, 27 says this. It says, the Lord be exalted who delights in the prosperity of his servant. Like he gets excited about it. Like he delights in it. Like I would, as a dad, if my kids get a raise on their job, I'd be like, come on, that's awesome. You got to pay. When my kids buy a house one day, man, I'm so proud of you guys. You guys worked hard. You saved, man, look at you. And the Lord blessed you. What an incredible house, right? When my kids find a spouse, man, she's amazing. He's amazing. Like the Lord gets excited. Like, like he gets pumped about seeing blessings and prosperity in your life. Now let me outline this. There's two types of blessings you see in the Bible. There are conditional blessings and then unconditional blessings, all right? Conditional blessing is, is basically like, I have a blessing here for you, but this is the path to that blessing. Meaning if you live disobedient from the path that I have you on, then you're not, I'm not gonna give you that blessing. Uh, if I told you that I have a car for you, but it's down fair drive and you gotta take a right on Harbor and it's gonna be in the parking lot of Home Depot, the keys are in it, it's yours, you can just go get it. Okay, if I said that to you, but you didn't actually drive down or get a ride down and go to it, you're not going to get the keys to the car, right? There's certain things that God makes so crystal clear in scriptures of walking in obedience. If you do not obey God in the little things, don't expect him to bless you with the big things. And so there's an element of obedience that goes with the blessing of God. Again, no different than you would with your kids. It's not like he's trying to withhold and going, Nope, you're just not good enough today. No, he's not doing that. It's just, hey, there's some simple things that he outlines in the scriptures. And at the, the reward of obedience is blessing. And I'm not talking about financial blessings. That could be a piece of it. I'm talking about the real blessings from God. 3 John 1, 2 says this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So why does God want to bless you? It's not just that you could have more stuff. It's not even that you could just be happy. God wants to bless you. We find it in Genesis 12 too. He says, I'm going to bless you. Why? Because you're going to be a blessing to others. You're going to be a blessing to others. So when you got more than enough food in your cupboard, that means you can have somebody over and give them food who didn't have any. My wife and I, we went through this season where uh, we, we ended up getting blessed with an extra uh, car from her dad. He gave me this awesome old Chevy truck that was just awesome. And, uh, it, you know, it's one of those old cars that gets like eight miles a gallon downhill in neutral. You know, it's like just this old beefy truck. And, uh, and it was great. And then, um, and, and then one day we felt like the Lord was telling us to give this to a single mom who had three sons, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and they were all approaching driver's age. And so we felt like God told us to give it to them. And so we just 
wrote it over to them. And, um, and, and we went through seasons where, you know, we had an extra car. And so when we heard about a tragedy in somebody's life and we prayed and God blessed them and we heard that they don't have a car or they needed a car or whatever, we just blessed them because we happen to have an extra one in, in the driveway. So literally, and I don't, I'm not saying this, this is not a bragamony, this is just a testimony of the faithfulness of God. We've been given, uh, uh, we've, we've been given three cars in our life. We've given away five. And, um, and, and the Lord has just blessed the car I'm driving right now. Somebody gave it to me. Like cash, like just, here you go. Like just gave me a vehicle. I know pastors, uh, there's a pastor that I know that uh, he's an incredible man, great man of God, Pastor Robert Morris. And he literally one day felt like the Lord said to empty his bank account and also to give his house away. And, and so he ended up literally emptying his bank account. And he was like, all right. So he began to pray for who needed a house. And there was a family that really needed a house and they were growing and a lot of stuff going on. And he said, all right. So he talked to his wife and he literally rode his house over, packed up his stuff and moved into a rental. Guess what happened? Somebody in their church heard about this and then they said, we're gonna get together, we're gonna buy our pastor a house. Uh, I mean, like I, another friend of mine I was talking to the other day, uh, Theo Koulianos, uh, if he's watching, love you, bro. Um, Theo Culliano, he shared the story about how him and his wife, they really felt to buy, so they had a, a savings account that they had built up and probably a lot of retirement was in there and everything and they felt like they were there was a family in the church they were supposed to buy a house for and they, they were like, oh, here we go. They're like, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. And they did it. There's something, I, 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 love, I love just that crazy obedience where I, I love it when people who live in radical obedience and it's just normal for them, like I want to be that guy. I'm, I, I would like to be that guy where God could just whisper in radical obedience, we just say yes. What could our church look like? What could the family of God look like if we were just saying yes to whatever God says? Just that radical obedience. Just radical obedience. That is the purpose of prosperity, right? I mean, if any of you have experienced financial blessings and you've done the trips, you've traveled, you've been on the boats, you've flown on the private airplanes and all that stuff is really fun. It totally is. But at some point you just go, I know there's more. I, that's great, but I know that there's stuff more that actually has an internal impact. Actually, if you look at the word to bless, the forms of that verb to bless appears over 400 times in the Old Testament alone. It means to favor, to bestow honor or special gifts or status to somebody. Psalms 103 verse 2 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits that when you experience the blessing of the Lord, that the first thing you do is you go and you praise him for that. So Jabez prays this prayer. Oh Lord, would you bless me? Would you bless me? And I wanna remember your blessings. And for us, like I don't wanna forget. I, I remember when the day was when I was putting the last diaper that we had in our house on my son and I knew that I overdrew my checking account to fill up the gas tank because we had to go somewhere and I, I barely had money for, for food. I remember that day. So trust me when I say I'm very grateful when I have the little things that I have in life. And, and if you wait till you have a lot to bless somebody, you'll never have a lot. You, if you just start with what you got, 
where you're at, it's amazing how God breathes on that and then begins to multiply and do things in your life. We say it this way at Authentic Church, one of our core values on our culture card, one of our core, core values is generosity. And, and the reason that's a core value, there's a ton of scriptures that went into it. But in generosity, our, our heartbeat is we want to live open-handed. And so we believe everything belongs to God. So we cheerfully give and steward. That's a big lesson right there, stewardship. We steward our time, talents, and our resources accordingly. So we live open-handed as a people. We're open-handed. Whatever God wants to do, it's not my stuff. That wasn't my car. That, that, that's not my money. I mean, I'm just a steward of it for this season, this breath that I have for a moment. Uh, yesterday, I got the sad news that my uncle passed away. He suffered a stroke earlier in the week, and, um, and we knew it was, the end was near. And, uh, and, and it, it, was, it was sad. And, and, and he passed on. And when he passes on, now he's, he's in heaven. Like, he's, he's, in a, he's in a better place. We all know that. There's going to be certain stuff that he had that I'm going to inherit or we're going to inherit, you know. What kind of stuff do you want to pass on? Is it for you and your enjoyment, or is there somebody else that you could bless with whatever God's placed in your hands? So just ask the Lord, Lord, how can I be a blessing with what I have right now to somebody else? So we live open-handed. Proverbs 10, 22 says this. It says, it's the Lord's blessing that makes you wealthy. Hard work can make you no richer. In other words, it's saying true wealth, like true wealth. When somebody's very wealthy, very, people that are very wealthy, they're the ones that have received the blessings from God. And it's not a financial thing. It's whole, it's spirit, soul, and body, it's peace. It's, it, you, you're not one of the wealthy people that has what I call the poverty of riches. They got a, a lot of money to do whatever they want, but they just don't have anybody to do it with. It's, it's, it's where it's just like, you know what, it's open-handed. It's, you have that close relationship and your, your spirit, soul, and body, you're experiencing the prosperity and the blessing of the Lord. So the prayer of Javis, so he prays, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Something supernatural takes place. Now, a question is, if, if I'm not experiencing that in my life, I just ask a question in my prayer time with God. Lord, is there anything that's keeping me from walking in the fullness of the blessings that you have? Because I'm, I'm going to work like it depends on me, but I'm going to pray like it depends on you. And as I'm working like it depends on me and praying like it depends on you, God, if there's anything, if I'm off in any area, like show me the log in my own eye so that I don't hurt myself or somebody else. Like show me, Lord, is there anything that, that is holding me back from that blessing? And if there's not, and the Lord doesn't show you anything, then that just means there's probably going to be some time. There's some uh, maturation that's going to be happening in your life. Or it could be because he sees things from a different perspective, and he sees what's happening next month, next year. He knows that person better than you do, so he's saying that relationship's not for you. I'm going to actually hold that back from you. I know you really want it. I know you really think that that's for you, but I'm actually going to hold that relationship back from you. There's certain things that God kind of tucks us under and waits. And so I ask the Lord, is there anything that's keeping me from that breakthrough of having that blessed life? So my prayer is this. My prayer is, Lord, would you bless me and show me where I can add value and bless others. We, 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 you bless me and would you show me where I can add value and bless others? Like, like what, what area? What, what could I do? Um, when my wife and I, we were going through a tough time financially, um, we would have different people that, that gave us money. 
And out of that portion of monies, we always tithed. Uh, we always honored the Lord. But then we always tried to set aside a few bucks. If we, could do, if we could spare a 20, that was like gold. And we would take it and we would put it in a purple envelope. In, in, uh, just, it, we got these, a bunch of these blank cards. And we would just write this note. And we'd give it in a purple envelope that was royalty. And we would pray at church. We'd say, Lord, who's somebody in the congregation today that we could bless? Who's somebody that needs this more than we do? And we would pray and we would just kind of scan the crowd a little bit. And then we'd feel like the Lord says, oh, it's that person. Cool. And then we'd go up to, the, to the, uh, the usher and we'd say, hey, you see that person over there? Go give this to him. But don't tell him it's from us. And they're like, all right. They like that. You know, it's like secret mission for an usher. It's like, empowered, you know. It's like, put me on a mission. And just the blessing of the Lord in our lives. So number one, pray for blessing. Number two, second thing Jabez prays is praise for influence. He says, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. Give me, give me greater influence. I love this quote from Tom Lane, an incredible guy, incredible leader in the body of Christ. He's, a, he's at Gateway Church. He's one of their elders there. He actually helped to form and formulate the, the bylaws when we were launching Authentic Church, a brilliant man, executive pastor there. He says, you're either an influencer or you're being influenced, flat out. There's different times and seasons of life where you will be influenced, and, and that can be a good thing. Or it cannot. <laughs> and there's times where God's going to raise you up and you're going to be an influencer. But we want to influence people for the, the kingdom of God. And one of the words that God gave us every year, we pray and we fast and we say, Lord, what, what, what would be a word, what would be a scripture that you have for us for this year for Authentic Church? And this year, a word that we were given that we've been stewarding over is out of Isaiah 54. And we have it up here on the screen. And this is paraphrased. It's out of the message uh, Bible, but it says this, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive those tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. And then he goes on to say, you're, you're going to take over whole nations. And by the way, that speaks to people groups. That speaks to different nationalities. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. I'm believing that we're resettling an abandoned city, that there's a lot of people that are leaving Orange County. There's a lot of people that are leaving California. They're saying, it's too far gone. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm moving to Arizona, Florida, Knoxville, Tennessee. I mean, where, blah, 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 Texas, right? You know, <laughs> have at it, okay? I'm staying here. God's called me here, and I love it here, all right? So I'm, I'm, if i got to be the last man standing, Lord, I'm going to be the last man standing. We're resettling abandoned cities, and there was once an incredible movement of God that happened right here. The Holy Spirit was poured out powerfully in the Jesus people movement. If any of you lived long enough to have seen that, experienced that, and there was literally churches thousands of churches all around the world that were planted out of what God did right here in our own backyard. And I'm believing, Lord, do it again. Do it again in our day. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, all, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And, and what happens is as we begin to experience God's blessing, our, our influence begins to grow. And he begins to do more than we could ask or think or imagine. And what happens with that is uh, the water gets over our head. <laughs> and, and so we're praying, we're praying for blessing and because God's a good God and he wants to bless you. And as you grow and, and you're, you're, you're in right relationship with him and he begins to bless you, your influence begins to expand. You start taking some more land. You start taking some territory. And, and, and my prayer as we, as we grow in our influence is this, Lord, use me so that my life will make an eternal impact in the lives of others. That's what it's about. 
It's about making an eternal impact. I don't, want, I don't want my influence just to be an influencer on Instagram, hashtag, right? Like That's not what I'm thinking of influence. When I think of influence, I'm like, what am I doing with my life and the sphere that God has given me to actually do something that's gonna cause good in others, that people are gonna come to know Jesus through my life. So that's my prayer. Lord, use me so my life will make an eternal impact to others because we know this, life is short. Eternity is real. And people matter most. My uncle who passed away yesterday at the age of 69 years old, he knows eternity is real. Folks, people matter most. Who are people in our spheres in, that you work with, that you come in contact with throughout your day. Who are people within your life, your family, your friendships, your coworkers, people that you see in the common places you visit? Who people matter most? What are we doing to make the most of the time we have with the people that we got? So number one, Lord, bless me. Number two, increase my influence. And then you pray this prayer. As you find yourself with the water over your head because of the blessings and influence God gives in you, <laughs> Lord, I need your presence. So Jabez prays, let your hand be upon me. You pray for the presence of God in your life. And I'm so grateful that God, he, he, he qualifies the called. He, he, doesn't just, he, he, he doesn't just call the qualified. He qualifies the call, the, the, the called. In Ezekiel, uh, when you read the book of Ezekiel, uh, if you just took 20, 30 minutes, you could read it like the entire book. And if you sat down and read it like I did uh, last year, one of the things that stood out to me was over and over again, I was just blown away by how many times it said, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. And the hand of the Lord was upon me here, and I was sitting with the elders one night, and then the hand of the Lord was upon me. I didn't know what to say, and then the hand of the Lord came on me. So I'm gonna go through a few of these scriptures and show you the hand of the Lord. So Ezekiel 3.22 says this, the hand of the Lord was on me there. And he said to me, get up out of the plain, and there I will speak to you. Ezekiel 33, 22, the hand of the Lord had been upon me in that evening before the refugees came, and he opened my mouth at the time that they came to me in the morning. So the hand of the Lord came on me at night, and then I had the words to say in the morning by the time they got there. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me. First Chronicles 28, uh, 19, shifting to David. All this, said David, this is King David, David and Goliath, this is that David. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me. All the details of the pattern. So you see, when, when, when you look at the hand of God, when the hand of the Lord, the hand of God, when you look in the Old Testament, then when it goes into the New Testament, there's a shift where the hand of God is actually interchangeable with the Spirit of God. And so the translators, when they would translate it, it's the hand of the Lord, but really what it was, it was the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. So Acts eleven twenty one says this, the hand, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. This is the presence of God on his people. God wants to put his hand on you. I love how G, the Jabez is praying. He's like, Lord, put, put your hand on me. I, like, in other words, I, I'm in over my head. <laughs> I need your presence. Would you put your hand on me? God, I don't know what to do in this situation. I'm running for office. God, would you, would you put your hand on me? I don't know how to navigate this moment in my career. God, would you, would you put your hand on me? Would you put your presence on my life? God, I, I, I'm feeling like there's transition coming, and I don't like transition, even though I know it's gonna be good, but right now it's super uncomfortable. Would you, would you put your hand on me? Would the presence of God be on me? Would you put your spirit on me? 
There was a guy uh, back in the early 1900s that had his awesome ministry. His name is John G. Lake. Interesting story, this guy. Um, I think we get, there's a picture of handsome John G. Lake and his wife. Um, so he, his ministry was, was popular right around the early 1900s, but uh, he had a unique background. He was actually a roofer and a general contractor in, uh, in Chicago. Kind of sounds like somebody I know. And he was an entrepreneur and had started and done different businesses and newspapers and insurance sales and different things like that. And then he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's why the encounter of God is so powerful and why that's part of our vision. Encounters with God changes people. And so he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that radically changed his life. And he went into the mission field and he did all these incredible missions in Africa. And one story was told, they had incredible miraculous healings that broke out and there was a plague that was devastating this area. It was killing people. And, um, and so John G. Lake, there was people that were down there inspecting it and he actually had the audacity to say, Jesus can heal everybody, and I'm going to prove it to you. Put it on my skin and see what happens. So they put the plague on him by his own instructions, and it died. It just, it just like evaporated, and all these people came to Christ. So that, that was kind of like a little bit of a launch pad, if you will, with his ministry. And then he founded the Healing Rooms in Spokane, Washington. There's actually recorded newspaper articles in the early 1900s saying Spokane, Washington was the healthiest city in America. And, uh, and I got relatives that came from that, and I always kind of wonder, is there any relatives that might have made their way through the healing rooms of John G. Lake? Uh, Pastors Fred and Pam Kropp, some of you know them. They're amazing apostolic overseers for Authentic Church. Um, They are actually part of the apostolic healing rooms that's in Santa Maria that is is basically the new headquarter location from uh, Spokane, Washington, and John G. Lake. They moved that down, so that's a little bit of the fun uh, history there. But during his ministry, he saw over a million people saved. A million people come to know Christ. So here he was. He was a serial entrepreneur. He got on fire for God. He said, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm going all in like Jabez. He's praying, God, would you bless me? Would you expand my territory? He saw over a million people saved. He helped plant over 625 churches, and he raised up over 1,250 preachers in his time of ministry. That's a pretty good rap sheet for somebody that really got on fire for God. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I would add to that saying, he, he, he qualifies those who actually say yes. That it takes your yes. That there's that exchange that happens. That's that conditional blessing. He has all these plans. He's, he, maybe you're sitting here today and there's been prophetic words that have spoken in your life that you're holding on to. I just want to encourage you, continue holding on to that prophetic word. You don't know what a day may bring. You don't know what one prayer would bring. The prayer of Jabez, this guy prayed this prayer and it said God granted him what he requested. God is raising the waterline. He's qualifying you. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. If you ever feel unqualified, this is a good scripture to quote over yourself. This will bless you. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence, any competence you see, it comes from God. (laughs) He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Lord, put your Spirit on me. There's times when I look up and I see what God's doing around me, and I'm like, Lord, oh my goodness, uh, if, if, if my friends from high school saw me now, they would be howling. Like, there's no way. Like, if, if you saw my grades from high school, you would be howling. Like, there's, I barely graduated high school, you know. It's like, you know, if, if, if you saw how the Lord put his hand on me and did different things in business and the places I've gone, like, 
it, it, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm some of the most surprised in the group. Okay, like, wow, this is amazing, you know. Acts 1.8, I love this scripture. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So that supernatural power comes on you for what? To be a witness of who? of Jesus. Acts 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, and they marveled. They marveled. One time I was reading the scripture a number of years ago, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit just kind of dropped in my spirit. He said, Jeff, when, was, when did anybody marvel at your boldness? I went, ooh, ouch, that hurts, Lord. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, Jeff, you've gotten too comfortable going to church and just attending and listening to a sermon, taking some good notes. You've gotten too comfortable just sitting in a prayer room. I've called you to, to pray in that prayer room to go out, to be a light, to be a witness on fire for the things of me to bring change in the community around you. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I needed that. And I was, you know, it was just a good little Holy Spirit spanking, we call that, from the Lord. And so there's this pattern that happens, right? We encounter God. We pray for blessing. He begins to bring blessing. He expands our territory. We get in over our head. We're like, oh my gosh, I need your spirit, God. And, and the world's taking notice. Heaven is taking notice. Guess who else is taking notice? All of hell is taking notice at the blessing of God in your life. And so the devil is going to come and try to take you out. So this gets to our fourth point. Our fourth prayer is, is we're going to pray, number four, we're going to pray for protection. We're saying, God, would you keep me from evil? Would you keep me from evil? 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. James 4, 7, I will resist the devil. And as you resist him, here's what happens. He flees. You resist him, he flees. You resist that feeling to get back at the person that's hurting you, the devil's gonna flee. When you resist the temptation that he's trying to bait you with, He's going to flee. Here's a good question to ask. If the devil were to design a trap, he's going to custom make this trap for you. If he's going to custom design a trap tailored to destroy you, what would it look like? What would it look like? You can see it in your mind probably right now. What would that, if the devil is going to custom tailor a trap that's going to take you out, humiliate you, so you never come crawling back to God? that you're just so defeated, you feel so much pain, you, 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 you've hurt too many people, you, you, you blew it all, like boom, you just blew up your life. If the devil was to custom design a trap for you, what would that trap look like? Now when you get that picture, that's not something to be afraid of. He's not someone to be afraid of. You just know, I gotta put guardrails up around that area of my life. I, I, need, I need to be on guard. Uh, I need to be on the offense and not on the defense. I need to be proactive in this area of my, whatever it is, whatever it is. I'm not gonna go to that place. I'm not gonna have that, that num phone number anymore. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna resist the temptation to go to that location. I'm gonna resist the temptation to say X, Y, Z, to go to whatever it is. The Lord will begin to show you, ask the Holy Spirit, show me where I need to put up guardrails. He's faithful, he'll tell you what to do. And ask for accountability. It's amazing to me that there's people that go through life and they have no accountability and then they look up and they wonder how they blew up their life. It's because they didn't have accountability. You should take heart knowing that your pastor has a pastor. <laughs> I have a pastor, I have a board of elders, I have guys that check in on me constantly, ask me more uncomfortable questions than uh, most people receive. And uh, they ask me the hard stuff. 
and they know me, and they see full reports of everything that's going on in my life. They know all the dealings of my finances. They know they could go and click on every website that I've ever browsed, thing I search on on my phone. Like I have my life on lockdown in some areas, and I have accountability, and I welcome it because I want to be faithfully married to my wife all the days of my life. I want to be a good dad so when my kids come and they remember me at my graveside, like I'm going to go and remember my uncle, that they have good things to say about dad. They're like, man, dad did it. He did it right. He loved mom, man. He served God all the days of his life, and now he's dwelling in the house of the Lord. Like that's, that's the testimony that I want, and I hope that's the testimony that you want. So what is that? Put those guards up. Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give a devil a foothold. So you just ask, Lord, what's the area of my life where I'm giving him a foothold? Don't give him a foothold. Just don't give him a foothold. Just get rid of the foothold. Romans 8.37 says, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I'm going to have Hannah join me up front and play something in the background as we land the plane today. 1 John 4.4 says, you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The spirit who is in you is greater than the spirit that's in the world. The spirit inside of you is stronger, more powerful than the spirit of the devil in the world. Today, as we're going to move into a time of baptisms here in a second, we're going to be celebrating some people that are going all in. And we're praying and welcoming them into the family of God, but we're praying you know what, God, your spirit is inside of them. Greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. Whatever pulled them down in life, that none of that stuff is going to have a foothold in their life anymore. You're actually going to push them forward. They're going to experience the prosperity in their, in their mental state, in their, in their health, and the wisdom, and their outlook. And they're going to experience your prosperity as you push them forward in relationships that are good, wholesome, that's actually going to nurture them and bring them to the blessings that you have for them. You're, you're going to see prosperity in different ways. And, and the Lord's putting his hand on them. So like Jabez prayed, right? Bless me. God, would you be giving me greater influence? that I could be an influencer for your kingdom. God, I'm in over my head sometimes. <laughs> I need your spirit. Would you put your spirit on me? Would you put your presence on my life? God, as all this stuff happens and I experience your goodness, God, would you keep me from evil? And that's our prayer. And if you're here today and you've not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you it begins right now. You probably have felt the tug during the course of the conversation that we've been having today. And you feel like, you know what, God, I, I do believe in you, but I want to know you more. I, I, I want to know you more. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're going to be saved. That's, that's, a, that's the start of the greatest relationship you could ever have. Having a relationship with your heavenly Father who created you. And then the next step for you is water baptism. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to close out today. But if you would like to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, it just says, Jesus, I believe in you. In fact, let's just pray that together as a, as a family of God. It's a good reminder. It's a good confession. Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you today. I believe that you are the Son of God, the Savior of the world, that you lived and died and rose again. 
you did it for me. So I put my trust in you, and I believe in you. Will you forgive me anything that I've done wrong? Forgive me of every sin. Wash me clean. Make me whole. Put your spirit on me. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you accepted the invitation of God. And now he's calling you deeper and he's calling you to be baptized. I love in Acts, in the book of Acts, it says this in Acts 22, 16. So if that's where you're at and you just prayed that prayer or you have faith in Christ, he's like, well then what are you waiting for? <laughs> Walk in that newness of life and get water baptized. Rise, be baptized, wash away your sins, call on his name. And that's what we're going to do. So um, why don't we all just stand together? I know some of you may need to leave, and, and that's cool. We'd love for you to stay. Um, if you are here today and you're being water baptized, if you could meet my wife, Fawn, the beautiful blonde at the back door there, um, you can go now. You can dismiss yourself now if you're being water baptized or you would like to be water baptized, whether you're signed up or not. My wife will greet you back there. We got a black shirt for you that's a really cool black shirt that says Authentic Church on it. Um, and, uh, and we would be so honored to walk with you in taking this next step in your journey with God. It's the greatest step you can take. And so I'm going to pray for you, and if you can hang out with us, we'd love for you to celebrate and party and pray for the people that are being baptized today. God, we thank you so much for your word that is life to us. Thank you for a life-giving word today, God, and I pray that you would remind us, and even that simple prayer that Jabez prayed, God, let it ring in our ears, God. And we do ask, Lord, would you bless us? God, would you increase our influence, Lord God? Lord, would you put your hand on us, put your spirit on us? God, let your presence lead, guide, and direct us. And God, would you keep us from all evil as we go forth from this building this week, God, that we would walk in your ways, that we would not do anything that would be falling back into sin or temptation that would cause us pain or cause the ones we love any pain. God, we want to bring glory to you. God, we want to live a life before you that's holy and set apart. And if anybody sees any good thing in our life, that they take a moment and pause and begin to give you praise and thanks. And they're just like, man, I see what you're doing in their lives, God, and they bring you glory. it brings you glory. So, God, I pray for your blessing upon your people. God, I pray that we would go forth from this building today as missionaries in the mission field of Orange County. I thank you that you're moving, that you're doing exceedingly above all that we could ask or think or imagine, and we give you thanks and praise today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening.